thanks for joining us today for another Contemplate broadcast brought to you by Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Pastor David Robinson is our teacher, and today begins a study from Psalm 4. So please get out your Bible, and here's Pastor David. Let's study his word. We've been in the book of Psalms for a while here, and Lord willing, today we're going to finish the fourth Psalm. And so get your Bible out. Uh, Also, the scripture passages should be on the screen here. Um, But let's read through the whole Psalm, Psalm 4, and then we're going to get into it starting at verse 5, which is where we left off last time. So let's start it out with the whole thing. Psalm 4. To the chief musician with stringed instruments, a Psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I'll both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The psalmist here, King David, is doing what we see and what we have seen many times in Scripture. We've seen this theme in Scripture. David is pointing out in this psalm the two ways. The two ways, right? We studied the teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount in a series we called Right Side Up. And he was constantly pointing to these two ways. We have the road that leads to life and the road that leads to death. We have the kingdom of God way and the kingdom of the world way. Those are the ways that exist. And you're on one or you're on the other. And here we see it again. God uh, references the sons of men who turn God's glory into shame and love worthlessness and seek falsehood. Who ask, who will show us any good? Looking for the secondary things, not even the icing. Instead of wanting relationship with God, instead of wanting righteousness. And that's set against the one him who is set apart by the Lord, the one who is godly and offers righteous sacrifices and trusts the Lord, the one who has gladness in his heart, who will lie down and sleep in peace, trusting in the provision and the protection of God. Now, whenever in Scripture we see, and we often do, the two ways We must search our own hearts and ask, which way describes us? Which way describes me? Is it the way that leads to life or the way that leads to death? Is it the one that seeks falsehood? The one that seeks worthlessness? 
Or is it the one that seeks relationship with God and for his face to shine upon me? We have to ask ourselves, if we find that some of these things that are the wrong way to describe us, we have to ask what needs to change? What needs to change? Psalm 4, 5, it's where we left off last time. It says this, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Now we're told to offer the sacrifices of righteousness and the Jewish people had a sacrificial system. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the system of sacrifice for sin. We no longer shed the blood of animals for sin because Christ's blood was shed on the cross for us. His precious blood that we might have relationship with God. David talks of sacrifice and repentance in Psalm 51, which he wrote in confession after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah, her husband, killed. He begins in verse 1 and 2 in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David is broken, broken over his sin. He needs to be cleansed. And David knows that only God can forgive and wash David clean. Only God can do it. He can't do it. He can't. He had money. He had power. He could not give everything he had to make up for the sin that he committed. Only God could save him. Later in Psalm 51, David prays, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. We used to sing a song from this verse when I was younger. uh, And I liked it. I liked the song. And it had some effect on me at that time when I was a, a young person, a young man. But I understand it now so much more powerfully than I did then. David knows the weight of his sin. He knows that he has committed adultery and bloodshed. It doesn't get a lot worse than that. He's done evil in the sight of God, and he knows the law. He knows justice. He knows he deserves to die. The law declares justly that he should die for his sin. And David is is naked in his spirit before God. In humility, in brokenness, there's nothing hidden. There's no hope for him at all but God's grace and mercy. None. David knows he doesn't deserve grace. No one deserves grace by the nature of what grace is. Undeserved, unmerited favor. But he desperately does not want to be separated from God. God is and has been David's shield, his friend, his redeemer, his king, the love of David's life. We're told that David was a man after God's own heart. He danced before the Lord, worshiped him, trusted in him. 
He killed the giant Goliath and won battles in the power and strength of the mighty arm of God, not in his own. And he knew that. And here's this man who we're told is a man after God's own heart, and yet he's fallen into vile, evil sin. And he needs grace. He needs forgiveness. If you've never been in this place, if you've never seen the weight of your own sin, understood the weight of your rebellion against God, and you might be thinking, well, I haven't committed adultery and then killed the other person. That may be true. Maybe your sin isn't the same as David's sin but it has no less weight. And if you never experienced what it's like to be in the place where David is as he expresses this to God, you've never reached out in humility and brokenness for God as your only hope. You cannot fully experience the joy of your salvation. We have to be in that moment that David was in. Because after the pain, we experience the joy. Where's the joy if we don't know what we've been forgiven from? If we don't understand the weight and the power of his grace, then where's the joy going to come from? If we don't think God has done much for us, how much are we going to want to love him? David understands. Because God is just. He's just. And the wages of sin is death. But... God is merciful. God is gracious toward those who truly call on his name. He will not abandon anyone who calls on his name in humility and in brokenness and in need. Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, the King of kings. And even being all of that, he satisfied the demand that God has for justice because the demand had to be satisfied by being willing to be sacrificed on the cross. He did it for King David's evil sin. He did it for the sin of Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Paul and Peter and David. Me and you. He did it for all of us. And what does God want to see from us? Listen to what David prays later in Psalm 51. This is 16 and 17. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite these are the sacrifices of righteousness. Sacrifice, the sacrifices of righteousness. They are righteous because they recognize the truth. They rejoice in the truth. We are broken when we see our sin for what it really is. If we're not broken, we don't see the truth of our sin. How hard it is to see our sin and understand the evil that it brings. We don't have God's view backwards and forwards in time, completely sovereign. And so sometimes we can sin and not have any understanding about what's really happening and all the factors. When I was younger, I remember sinning 
and thinking it was basically no big deal. After all, who was I really hurting? It wasn't until God showed me the pain my sin caused other people. Not until he showed me the pain that my sin caused myself that I started to understand. It wasn't until I understood that justice had to be done. And the only justice that could be done in my case, in your case, was death and separation from God. It's unclean, undeserving. Justice demanded my life. That's when I had a broken spirit. That's when I had a broken and contrite heart. That's when I knew that my only hope was in Jesus and I cried out for him. And the joy that that brought is the reason that I stand here today called into his ministry because I love him because of what he's done for me. Pray that God will show you. Ask him to show you the weight of your sin, the consequences of your sin. It'll break you. It'll hurt. It'll cause fear and anxiety and shame that you cannot bear. And you'll cry out to Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness, for his cleansing power through his precious blood of the perfect lamb who died on a cross for the sins of the world. And you will find joy like you have never known. You will find joy that is so precious that it's like nothing that I ever experienced prior to going through that pain. You want to stir your affections for God. You sometimes think, man, I, I want to love God, but I just don't feel it. Just don't have a lot of passion in it. That's okay. Listen, you want to trust him for everything. You want to stir your affections. You want real peace and real hope. Then fall on the cross and be broken. Recognize who you are and who he is. That God might see your sacrifice of righteousness, understanding the truth that when we look to the law and we look at ourselves, we recognize how far we are from that. God being holy and us being wicked. And when you recognize that and you see the cross and that God has given you, granted you the right to be his child, his son, his daughter, the joy that you'll experience, the hope that you'll experience, the peace that you'll experience beyond understanding. You put your trust in the Lord when you experience the forgiveness only he can give you, when you confess your sins, when you repent, turn from them, Forgiveness is glorious. It's glorious. And knowing that you have been set free from sin and cleansed will give you the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit to face anything that the world has to offer. You struggling? It's tough right now? You want to be able to face that in confidence? Confess or repent your sin and understand what God has done for you. You'll never have more energy or more trust than when you do that. And your former sin will no longer have the same kind of power over you. And you can run the race that's set before us all. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, 
for the joys that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He saw the joy of giving grace to you and to me and to David, the king, and to Paul and to Peter, and to every man and woman who has followed him. He saw the joy of it, of us being able to have relationship with God and satisfied justice on himself. We ought to, as a result of that, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. We can face anything for the joy that is set before us that we will see Jesus Christ face to face. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, a sacrifice of righteousness. We give up our stubborn contention. Listen to this. Our stubborn contention that we deserve to experience the pleasure of our bodies at all times and for any reason. It's what we believe, right? We deserve to be physically happy all the time. Instead, we recognize what Jesus has done, making his body a sacrifice for us. And we submit ourselves to him, living to the spirit and not to our flesh. Living to the spirit, the fruits of the spirit, not the sins of the flesh. That's a sacrifice of righteousness because we trust God. You can't make that sacrifice without trusting God, that he loves us, that he wants to do good for us. Just as we, if we have children or nephews or nieces or grandchildren or whatever it is that we have, we want to do good for them. Except God is perfect, and so the good he wants to do for us is so much greater and so much more than the good we could ever want from our children. But if you trust that God loves you like that, then presenting your body as a living sacrifice has no fear in it. He can promise us, as he does in Romans 8, 28, this is what he promises. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. He will work all things, every horrible thing that you've been through. He will work all of it together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We can't promise anything like that to our own children. Not even close about ourselves, but God, our Father, promises this to us. So it is only reasonable then that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice to Him, holy and acceptable, because that's our reasonable service. I hope you'll be right here next time for part two of this great study from Psalm 4. Until then, let me invite you to join us here at Acts Church this Sunday morning.
You'll really enjoy Pastor David in person, and easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axchurchnw.org. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we'll look for you next time here on Contemplate.